Uh, today we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 1. So if you could, you could turn there now, Mark 1, verses 40 to 45. And uh, if you don't, didn't bring a Bible, it'll be on the screens, but there's also a blue Bible in front of you in the seat. That's on page 488. Uh, it's an honor to preach and be able to present God's word to you. And I just pray that it would be a blessing. Um, and if you're new here, if this is your first time, um, if you're a guest, uh, or if you're an, uh, not a Christian, I just want to, like on behalf of Church on Mill, we just want to say welcome to you, and we're so glad that you're with us this morning. I've asked my daughter, Evie, to read our text for us this morning. So Evie, come on up, and if you can stand right here, and she'll read Mark 1, verse 40 to 45. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in the desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Good job. Thanks, Evie. Uh, would you guys pray with me? <clears throat> uh, Father God, uh, pray that you would uh, just speak through your servant and you would hear, uh, people would hear your word. Uh, we pray that you would just protect our minds and our hearts from distractions and phones and just all the different things that uh, the busyness of life pray that we would focus in what you have said here. We pray that you would uh, help us see who you truly are, and we would see ourselves uh, truly as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> as you read through the Gospels, have you ever wondered why are there so many miracles about healing? Like, even the, the text that Evie just read, have you uh, just listened to it this morning, or have you read texts like it and been like, Ah, I've heard this story before. It's a, another uh, miracle about Jesus healing, and you kind of just speed read through it, glance over and onto something kind of newer, something uh, more interesting. Like, honestly, I've been there before in my reading, just like, oh, I've read this one, move on, what's next? The Gospel of Mark is the shortest gospel account of all of them. And so, why does he spend so many words on his precious little parchment? to tell us about yet another healing. Like already in the first chapter of Mark, we've had so many healings. Like we get it after the first one, at least by the third one, we kind of get the point. Jesus has the power to heal people. Do we need to have another story? Um, move along, tell us something new. Uh, but by God's grace, uh, his spirit, I, I believe, just opened my eyes in the past few weeks in my study to see some amazing things that I've never seen before in this text. And it's not just me alone, but like many other faithful believers who've uh, come before us, um, they have noticed something here that what just a quick cursory glance misses. Uh, Church on Mill, do we believe that every word, like every story in this book is God-breathed and it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness? 
Every event, each miracle, including this healing, is just bursting with truth and meaning that is relevant to us today. Like, do we actually believe that? In my study on this text, one of the pastors said, uh, these stories in Mark, they're not just uh, telling us about some of the things about God, but they're like, they're like parables that show us who God is and what he does. Every one of these stories that we've read in Mark so far. I pray that the Holy Spirit would just illuminate our eyes and our hearts and we would begin to, uh, even more so, just treasure this book as God's word. May we never lose the awe that we're listening to God. So as we slow down and think about this story together, um, I think the main point is that what, we, what I want us to see is that Jesus crosses every boundary to save. I think that's the main point of this text. We'll see that Jesus crosses every boundary to save. And to help guide us through our time, I have two questions and two observations to kind of lead us through. So we'll start with the first question. What does the leper teach us? Uh, look uh, down in your Bibles at verse 40. It says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. So first off, what is a leper? Or what is leprosy? Leprosy is something that if you read your Bible, uh, often you uh, know it's like a skin disease or something. We kind of read it in the Bible and we move on to the next thing. But if you've ever count encountered leprosy, or if you're one of the people of this time, you would recognize leprosy was something just terrifying. Uh, one would first likely notice leprosy by its appearance. Uh, many times, uh, leprosy would begin and it would start on your face. And uh, oftentimes, you would see uh, blotches of skin or even like a sore. Uh, many times, like on your eyebrows, they would begin to just fall off. And these sores and these patches of skin that would like turn white or even scaly, they wouldn't just stay on your face, but they would begin to move and cover your entire body. And these, these uh, sores would like pop and blister and they'd be very painful. But it wasn't just the sores or the patchy skin, but it would just quickly get far worse. Today with our, our modern study on leprosy, uh, we know that it's not primarily actually a skin disease, but it's actually a nerve damaging disease. It is a disease that affects your brain and your spinal cord and out into your nerves, and it affects your skin. So the, the sores and the lumps and the patchy skin that, that people would notice that was actually just a symptom of the real disease. There was a, a bigger underlying problem. The nerve damage that would occur from leprosy, uh, it would begin to lead to a, a loss of feeling. And so uh, in like your extremities, in your hands, in your feet, you wouldn't feel as you ought to. And we kind of take that for granted. Like when we're going about our daily tasks of doing dishes or, or working in the yard or whatever you might be doing, uh, you don't our body just knows, like, ow, that hurts. I'm pushing too hard, so we just naturally don't push as hard. But when leprosy began to take its effect, people would be doing their daily activities and chores, but they wouldn't feel that that hurts, and they would literally just break their own wrist or their own finger because they couldn't feel the pain. It was uh, common and heard of that someone would be doing dishes and they would touch a stove, and they wouldn't realize it was hot until they looked at their hands and they were just covered in blisters and bleeding. Uh, 
Uh, people would uh, be sleeping and they would uh, get too close to a fire and they wouldn't even realize that they were on fire. Um, there was uh, reports of like people who, um, as they were sleeping, um, like rats or mice or bugs could literally like eat people's fingers or feet off and they wouldn't notice until the morning. And if the appearance of leprosy uh, and the grotesqueness and the deforming nature of it uh, is bad, was ugly, the smell was probably worse. You see, before seeing a leper, it was very likely you would smell them. Because if, you could have, if you've ever smelled like rotting flesh, you just, it, they could be far away and you would smell them coming from the open sores, the rotting limbs. And if all of this wasn't bad enough, perhaps the worst, the worst part of it was that it was contagious. And so with this like horrifying disease, there's an element that there was tremendous fear and even panic if you were to get it. And that would ultimately lead to isolation. I mean, to say leprosy, leprosy was a terrifying disease is just like an understatement. The earliest books in the Bible speak about this ancient disease, and whole chapters are dedicated to how, do, how would God's people identify it and protect against it. Just listen to these two verses from Leviticus about someone who was identified with it and got leprosy. This is from Leviticus 13. It's on the screen. <clears throat> the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean, period. He shall live alone, period. His dwelling shall be outside of the camp, period. Like, could you imagine being a leprous person? <laughs> In the last few years, I think we've all felt like unclean at times where like, oh, I've been exposed. Or uh, you come into a room and you, people are trying to keep their distance. Uh, we wear masks and socially distanced. But could you imagine coming into a room and you have like literally made your appearance look ragged and torn clothes. When you enter a building, you, you, you yell out so people know, unclean, unclean. Perhaps worse than the embarrassment and the shame of having leprosy. Uh, well, definitely worse than it. Could you imagine if one of your family members or one of your friends got uh, a spot on their skin and you're just, you just go to bed, you're just praying, God, please let this not be the kind of leprosy that will just permeate through their body and we have to send them out. Like, could you imagine uh, many of us have um, had a quarantine at home and you have like a family member in the other side of the house for five to 10 days. Could you imagine having a family member, a spouse, a child, and when they got this disease, it wasn't that they were going to stay on the other side of the house for five to ten days or get a hotel somewhere, but we're going to put them outside of your home. We're going to put them, in fact, outside of the city, and we're not going to see them again. In uh, 2014, uh, Danny, my wife, and I had an opportunity to go with actually some church members to England. And when we were traveling through England, uh, we uh, stopped at a smaller town, and the guy who was giving us the tour, he took us to the outskirts of town, and, and we left uh, the city part, and maybe like, I don't know, 200, 300 square feet, or two, 300 uh, feet outside of town, there was this huge, um, like, boulder or rock. And 
it was, it was flat. And he was telling us that uh, during the Black Plague, as it began to ravage through Europe, so the Black Plague, not leprosy, uh, when it hit England, um, they realized that this town, that we need to somehow protect against it. And they said, we're not going to let anybody in the town or anybody out of the town. But if anybody got this disease, we're going to have them, we're going to have to have them leave the town to try to protect the vulnerable here and protect everybody else because we have no way to stop this thing. They just saw how it ravaged through the rest of Europe. And every day, though, they promised we are going to come to this massive boulder and we're going to put food and provisions for our family members who we have cast out. And that picture is what was happening in ancient times as you would have family members and friends <laughs> off in caves or in like little leprous communities outside and they have no connection to society. They would put food and provisions for them to try to take care of their loved ones. In my study on leprosy, uh, it was often referred to as the living death. Its victims were treated as though they had already died. Uh, it was not uncommon for funeral services to occur for someone if they had gotten leprosy, even though they were still yet alive. Uh, in fact, sometimes relatives would begin taking their inheritance once someone was, uh, got leprosy and removed from the community. One of the reasons uh, God commanded those with leprosy to isolate and be cut off from the rest of the people is to protect the people from the spread of it. I mean, today we have medicine and antibacterial medicine, but they did not have that benefit. Another reason is there's an entire two to three chapters devoted to leprosy in Leviticus is because leprosy is a picture of sin. See, like leprosy, we see the effects of sin. But the root, the real problem is much deeper. We know that leprosy is not mainly, we know now, it's not mainly a skin disease. In the same way, the sin that we see in our actions and our words like those are just symptoms of the real problem that's much deeper. Another way leprosy is a picture of sin, leprosy causes nerve damage. But have you guys ever noticed how your sin causes nerve damage to you morally? Uh, there's probably some of us in this room who have struggled with uh, addictions, like drugs, and alcohol. We know people definitely who struggle with that kind of addiction. They didn't just immediately, every night, start drinking uh, and become an alcoholic. But as they uh, delve deeper into the sin of drugs and alcohol, that first drink or that first hit, it didn't do what it used to do because it's be they've become numb to it. Their nerves, in a sense, have been damaged and they need more and more of it. Have you noticed in like, your own sin, whether it's like lying or gossiping, or sexual sin, or abuse. What seemed at first so heinous, and I can't even believe I'm about to do this, it becomes easier and easier and easier over time as you give yourself more to it. Because like our sin, it's so similar to leprosy. It, it dumbs down our nerves. We, we don't begin to feel Leprosy gives us a, a visual depiction of what sin is like. We've already, <laughs> I just shared so much of like how the ugliness and the grotesqueness of it. But that's how God wants us to see what sin is like. It's disgusting, rotting flesh. 
Uh, isn't it easy sometimes to think about other people's sin that way? Like, wow, that person's sin, that is nasty. But consider for yourself your own sin. Like, think for a moment, what was the, the last sin that you did or that comes to mind? Is that sin something that you find so vile and disgusting? Or is that something that you make a, an excuse for? Something that you don't feel so bad about and maybe even likely in the back of your mind already plan to commit again? See, God wants us to view our sin like leprosy, like something that is so destructive, something that is so vile, we want to avoid it. We don't even want to be near it. We don't want to touch it. In the time that this was written, there was no cure for, for leprosy. Again, they were regarded as the living dead. And just think, compare that to sin. What does God say about our sin? There is no medicine or remedy. There is no amount of money or good work that can cleanse our sin. Another thing about leprosy is that it had a slow and long incubation period. <laughs> it probably wouldn't have made sense to us a while back, but now we know like diseases, they can have an incubation period. But for leprosy, it could last up like one to five years typically. You wouldn't see the, the effects necessarily. And through the, some of the modern study, they've, they've noticed up to 20 years of it's just sitting insidiously inside of you before it begins to start show its symptoms. And so I think we just know that, friend, you may not see the effects of your sin yet, but don't let that lull you into a false sense of security. Leprosy will have its way, and it will take its full destructive effect, but so also will your sin. It may not be today or even next year, but sin will corrupt and destroy everything about you until you're unrecognizable until you're cast out. And so Church on Mill, like brothers and sisters in Christ, if there is any leprosy, if there's any sin that you continue in and you hold on to, like one of the warnings we're to know is we need to get rid of this because it will corrupt and it will destroy us. Not all of us are lepers, but all of us are sinners. Without Christ, you and I are spiritual lepers. And perhaps the disease not, does not seem so bad to you yet, but give it time and there will be spots, loss of feeling, and eventually you will even become like the stench of death. Okay, we need some good news. <laughs> that, was, that was just too much. <laughs> so what does the leper teach us? I think it's that we are to recognize that we are a leper and we need to come to Jesus as the leper did. Look at verse 40. Note how the leper came to Christ. In verse 40, we see him imploring, kneeling, words of faith even. This man came desperately. You know, I used to think that an argument against Christianity uh, and just uh, religion in general was that religion and Jesus, Jesus is just a crutch for the weak. Only the desperate go to God, those that can't help themselves. But I realize now that that is not really a, an argument against Christianity, but that is a strong argument for Christianity. It's even apologetic. Jesus came not for the well, but he came for the sick. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus says, in God's kingdom, the first will be last, and the last will be first. 
See, Jesus is not so much a crutch, but he is like a full body cast. Christ is not here to help you save yourself, but he is like a ventilator that is your only shot at making it through. See, yes, Jesus came for the desperate, and the truth is, is that we are all desperate. Desperate, sinful, spiritual lepers. It's just that some of us, we get into the acting of pretending that we're not. And even worse, some of us and people we know, we actually believe that we're good. May God have mercy on us and open our eyes to see the desperation and the cleansing that we need and that we would be like this leper and come to Jesus. A pastor uh, writes on this uh, passage, he says, Men are not lost because they are too bad to be saved, but because they will not come to Christ that he may save them. Men are not lost because they are too bad to be saved, but because they will not come to Christ that he may save them. I, I wonder if there's anybody here in this room who's like me, a spiritual leper, and hasn't come to Christ. You could do that today and following the example of this leper. Let's think about the second question now. What does Jesus teach us? Uh, look down in your Bibles at verse 41. It says, Moved with pity, he, stretches out his he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Jesus is not just an example of what God is like. He is literally depicting who God is. Through Jesus, we see how God feels toward us. Through Christ's actions, we see how God interacts with us. How does Jesus feel towards the leper? What does Jesus do in response to the leper's desperation? We just have to look at verse 41 and 42. Jesus is moved with pity, compassion, and love. Jesus does not look at the leper with judgment and condemnation. He doesn't look at the leper with disgust and disdain. Jesus' heart is moved with love. And he stretches out his hand and comes near to the one that likely hasn't been touched and that nobody has come near to in months and maybe years. I wonder here in this room, is there anyone who is broken? Is there anyone who, here who feels unclean, abandoned? They feel like they have nowhere else to turn, depressed, demoralized, desperate, God would want you to hear and know. <laughs> Jesus looks towards you, and he looks, with you, looks at you with pity and compassion and love. Jesus is the king of all, but he is a lover of the lowly. Jesus is the creator of all things, but he is a physician for us who are sick. He knows every detail in the universe that is occurring at this moment, but he pays particular attention to us who are downcast. Jesus is the God of mercy, compassion, and pity, and love, and there is no one like our God. And from this character of pity and compassion, Jesus acts. Uh, look what he does, verse 41. Jesus touches the untouchable and heals him. Like, consider the original hearers of Mark, like, the way that they felt about leprosy. Like, even the disciples who are standing next to Jesus in this moment. Uh, they would have probably already been in disbelief that a leper was coming toward them. Like they were supposed to stand far away. But when Jesus began to talk with them, they were surprised. But now when Jesus is moving toward a leper 
even stretching out his hand to touch a leper, they would have been in utter shock. I mean, this was the unclean, the living dead, the one who had been sent out from the city, exiled even by family and friends. Just getting near them, you could get infected with the disease, but touching them, according to the Levitical law, they would become unclean. But Jesus did not have any fear in the moment. But as verse 41 says, he was moved by love. The disciples standing next to Jesus would surely have been in utter shock seeing Jesus touching this, le- this leper. But let's pause for a moment. Uh, brother and sister in Christ, do you remember the moment, the feeling, when you first realized that Jesus did not look upon you with disgust? Despite all of the sin and the ugliness that you know, that you have, do you remember when, when you realized that Jesus looked upon you with love and you were just in awe? I can't believe, I can't believe that God would forgive me, would even welcome me in. Christians, we must not forget that feeling. We must never lose the awe that Jesus comes near to the unclean. He, in fact, he stretches out his arms and even touches the leper. And so what does Jesus teach us? He teaches us that if you've ever felt so sinful, so vile and dirty, so unclean, if you've ever said, how could I ever be forgiven and made right now? He teaches us that God shows us that there is one who can make us clean. Jesus does the unthinkable and comes nearer to sin than we ever would. He touches the untouchable. I can imagine the God of light is willing to condescend into our dark world. The clean one is willing to touch the filthy and the defiled. Maybe a, a quick moment for application. If we're to look at, the, the application is we are to look at fellow lepers the way that Christ does. If God, the perfect one, the righteous one, the clean one, is willing to look at lepers and even move toward and touch them, then as Christians, we are to do the same. I wonder, who are the people in your life that you consider unclean? Who are the people in your life that you consider unclean? Maybe just like physically even. I'm sure there's lots of different examples of people that you think are physically unclean. But here in Tempe, uh, I think for a lot of us, we've seen the homeless. Do you have compassion for the homeless when you see them? Or as you're driving, do you move toward the middle lane so you're not near them at the intersections? Perhaps uh, we'd be willing to give money to the guy outside of McDonald's. Here's a, a few bucks. But are you willing to sit with them, eat with them, even smell them, and hear their story? See, financial poverty is really only just one kind of poverty. And truth is, it's the easiest to fix. Relational poverty is much harder and takes more time. And we know that the greatest need is a spiritual poverty that we all have without Christ. I wonder, who do you guys consider morally unclean? Maybe it's the sexually immoral, the pregnant teen, or maybe your overbearing and and harsh boss. Do you have compassion for those people, or do you uh, put your nose up at them because uh, you're so much better. Our leprosy of selfishness, lack of generosity, gossip, outbursts of anger, lustful actions and thoughts that no one sees but God. 
our idolizing entertainment, our, re- our idolizing of family. See, our leprosy, we're quite comfortable with, and we've even trained our friends and family to some degree to deal with. But I fear we will look down upon the sinner next to us because their leprosy is not the variant that we happen to have ourselves. Church on Mill, are we people that are moved with pity and compassion towards the unclean? Like Church on Mill, are we a people that are moved, our hearts are moved toward the lost? A few years back, uh, I met a woman, and uh, she was, in a point in her life, uh, one of the darkest points, like a valley, a place that all of us have, have been. Every one of us has hit one of those, like, rock bottom moments. And by her own account, she had made a lot of poor choices, like many of us. And I remember uh, driving her home one time, and she was telling me just about just her sorrow and just the pain that she was in. She was saying how um, through some of her uh, poor choices, she uh, needed to go to rehab or just be uh, separated from her kids for a little bit of time. And as she was looking through her phone and thinking through, who can I send my kids to be with while I have to go deal with this? Uh, flipping through her phone, thinking about her family, some of her family that she would trust to leave her, her kids with, the state wouldn't allow. And as she looks through her phone for friends, she's like, I wouldn't trust these people with my kids. And she's just telling me she had no one at that moment who could take her kids for just a couple of nights. And so the state and foster care and CPS took her kids for a time. And what I realized in that moment was, while it was true that I had more finances or money than her, what I had in just bounds of riches more than her was this relational riches that she just was impoverished by. Like as I look at this room and just think about Church on Mill and by God's grace, the blessings that he's given me here, that there's so many people that I could, if, if somebody needed to watch our girls for, for one night, I'd be, there's such dozens of numbers, but she didn't have that at that moment. God has moved toward those kinds of people. By God's grace, this church God used to bring her in. And now, after all these years later, she has, her, her family has been uh, redeemed and put back together. And she's thriving. And it's through relationships of people coming near to her and filling up that like empty bank account of relationships and drawing near to her. It's through Christ and his work of the Spirit in her life that she is now thriving and has a job and uh, following the Lord. Let's keep moving. Two observations that I saw in the text. One is surprising, and the other is, is shocking. At least it was for me. The surprising observation, the leper disobeyed the one who saved him. Like, did you notice that? I'm sure you guys probably did. We'll look again at it again, verse uh, 43 to 45. It says, Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but he was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Like, 
This is so wild to me when I uh, just noticed it again. Jesus heals the leper, and Jesus makes one request, like, go to the temple, go and do this. But he didn't do that. Like, isn't that surprising? The leper who likely was out for months, maybe years, like, wasn't with his spouse, wasn't with his family and friends, what, couldn't hold his child, couldn't go to work, couldn't worship in God's temple with God's people, completely isolated. Someone fixed that for him. Like someone brought him back in and says, do this. And in the very next verse, he does the opposite. What we find is that the leper was physically healed in verse 40, but still in verse 45, he was morally corrupt. And before we look down too far on the leper, we should just remember like we are like him as well. For us who are Christians, for us who are in Christ, who has kept all of God's commands? Like even if we just go through the, the Ten Commandments, if we think about which one of us, after we have been saved, have had no other gods but our God? Who, who of us has rested in the Lord as he has called us to, honored our parents? We haven't envied, not lusted, not hated, you see, the main problem for the leper was not his diseased skin, but it was his diseased heart. And the healing that we need is not mainly physical, but spiritual. And that is because the main problem that you and I have, is not out there and it's not on our skin, but it's in our hearts. And what is amazing in all of this is that Jesus knew this. He knew this and he still was moved with pity and compassion. Still, Jesus healed despite knowing the leper would disobey. Jesus still saves sinners today despite our moral disobedience in the very next verse. Think about how amazingly different Jesus is than you and I. If you know someone is about to betray you, if you know that you're vulnerable, they're going to be disobedient to you, what would you do? Jesus makes himself vulnerable and even loves his betrayers. Jesus crosses every boundary to save. And so, our final observation, and, and this one was the one that was just most shocking to me. Think about how this event began, and then think about how it ends. Consider our two characters, the leper and Jesus. Jesus depicts for us how far he is willing to go to cleanse us. Jesus crosses every boundary to save as he comes near to us and cleanses the unclean. He's willing to even touch the leper, someone that no one would touch. He's willing to even be betrayed, but our Lord goes even a step further. The greatest authors and screenwrites could never come up with this plan of God. The Lord of the universe takes our place because it is what is needed to cleanse us and save us. Again, think about where did the leper begin in the story? Like everything that we've thought about with leprosy so far. The leper is outside of the city. He's in isolation, separated from family, society. He has been abandoned to desolate places. And we have Jesus, on the other hand. He's welcomed in the city. In fact, he's like the celebrity at the moment. More than that, he is welcomed in heaven. But as the verses play out, see how it changes and see how it ends. The leper who is physically unclean, who is unable to enter the city, that leper who is out there meets Jesus and is healed. 
Jesus heals the leper and brings him back into the city. Peace with society. He can see his family again. He can worship God in the temple again. But in the very next verse, the leper betrays Jesus. He disobeys his commands. And now it is Jesus who was in the city, who has now been moved out into desolate places, who can no longer enter the city. It is Jesus who is in the caves and in the desolate locations. Jesus took his place in the wilderness and gave the leper peace in the city. And you see, this physical depiction is just a shadow of the invisible reality that God has played out. As God moves with pity toward sinful and unclean humans through his son, Jesus Christ, Jesus cleanses and heals the humble and sick. And you see, they're not just welcomed back into society, but they're welcomed into peace with their creator and their holy judge. They're not only welcomed back into towns and cities, but imagine they're welcomed back into the peace of Eden. They're given a home in heaven. And our sickness is not just skin deep, but our sins, our, our souls are covered in boils and sores. It's not just our nerves that have lost sense, but it's our minds and hearts that have lost their moral compass. We have all betrayed and disobeyed our creator, and we are so morally corrupt that even once we've been saved, we are like the leper and we still disobey. But our merciful savior knows this, and he takes pity upon us. Jesus moved toward us, healed us, all the while knowing that it would result ultimately in him being cast out. Je Jesus is faithful to the end and takes the place of the leper. See, this is not just another story about Jesus healing just another person. This is a picture of the gospel. In Mark 1, Jesus foreshadows what he has come to do. In Mark 1, Jesus took the place of the leper, but by the end of Mark, Jesus takes the place for sinful humanity on the cross. He literally takes the place that you and I deserve. In Mark 1, Jesus stretches out his hand and touches and heals a leper. But what does Jesus do at the end of Mark as he stretches out his hands, even on the cross, to save us? In Mark 1, Jesus is so filled with love and compassion, he takes upon the agony and pain, the loneliness of leprosy. But at the end of Mark, his love doesn't just take him out to desolate places, but it takes him out upon the cross to endure ultimate desolation and separation from God, even the wrath of God. The disciples who saw this take place, they would have just been in shock seeing Jesus touch a leper. Like, they couldn't even believe it. And for us Christians, we as well should just be stunned and in awe that our Savior would take our place. This is the message of the gospel, that Jesus has crossed every boundary to save. Jesus comes nearer to us than we ever could to, to cleanse us who are unclean. And he also goes further than we ever would and takes our place in exile. In closing, I want to read a passage from Hebrews. And if you guys would, would you read this with me? And just reflecting on um, everything that we've said. It's from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12 to 16. Uh, it's on the screens. Uh, read with me, please. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp 
and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, we thank you for your heart of compassion and pity on us who are unclean and unworthy. And God, I I pray that uh, you would help us even just emotionally feel and know your love. If you guys would just take a moment and just pray to God and uh, talk with him um, about what we've studied. Father God, we thank you that you uh, did not uh, stay in heaven, but you came down and condescended and, and saved us. You came near to us while we were still sinners. And God, I pray for uh, my, myself and any, our brothers and sisters here in the room that if any of us have, are holding on to sin, that we would just see it and feel it like it's leprosy and we would cast it away. I pray that we would humbly repent to you today of any sin that we're holding on to and even confess it to one another as you've called us to. And God, I pray if there's any, any person here in this room who's like the leper and realizes they're unclean, that they would come to you just as we saw him do in verse 40 and 41. And you, they would say with faith, If you will, you can make me clean. And God, I pray that you would give them the faith to pray that and to come to you and be saved today. God, we thank you for your word and that you are so kind and loving to us. We pray that you would help Church on Mill be a church that would show this kind of compassion and love to others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay.